Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at assaultlimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com proceed with caution all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about get squared away spiritual get squared away emotional get squared away mental Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. All right, back this week with Squared Away. What the hell you been up to, brother? I've been really good. I had a good dad week, good workout week, good work week. Damn, it's good this week. That's a good wraparound, a good holistic approach to your week. Yeah. It's awesome. amazing. Um, did a, I did an Instagram live with shout out to, to Dustin, um, dusty 57 or something. I'll pull his handle up and, and put it on, but, uh, had a really, had a really good IG live with him. And, and one thing we, we started talking is, is he always likes to check in with the pillars and it's almost more for himself than it is for me when we do these IG lives, just because it really gives him a chance to, to stop and think about all the different aspects that he's doing or not doing. And so this week I noticed that I don't necessarily have as much to talk about the emotional pillar when we're talking about the the four pillars, everything else very well worked on. The emotional is always kind of blends into the mental. It always kind of blends into the spiritual. So I really, really started thinking deeper and two things I text you right away that I want to add to our, our emotional pillar is one mindset excuse me, mindset is a big part of the emotional, your mindset towards everything you do in the day, your mindset towards your, your positivity of achieving things. It's, it's 
mindset is everything and that we've talked about mindset a ton of times. And, and I think we actually did a full podcast on mindset, but we didn't necessarily put it in a pillar. And I really think it, it needs to go in the emotional pillar. And then the other thing is your attitude and your attitude short term and your attitude long term, long term, your attitude towards the things that you're trying to achieve. But really also your overall, just your attitude, you know, your, yeah. your positivity, your your openness, your all of that. And that's all your emotional. So I just wanted to put that out there so everybody has some more to think about when they're working on their pillars, that there is a lot more in the emotional pillar than just your emotions. Yeah. Sometimes we got to cover that pretty deep. Yeah. And we'll, so. we'll, we'll take a deeper dive. And, and when I look back to find the Mindset Podcast, I think it may have actually been one of our test podcasts because we don't have a specific podcast for mindset and the Carol Dweck book, um, the mindset is, is amazing. So I'll go back through and do that and then we'll do a full podcast on, on mindset and emotion. So, um, yeah. this week we are going to do, well, actually let's, let's cover our pillars. Catch up on. Yeah. Let's catch up on our pillars. Yeah. So what have you been doing, man? How's oh, that physical? Oh, physical. It's been so great. Swimming three times a week because of your fucking friend, Eric, excuse my language. If anybody didn't catch the episode with Eric, the Iron Man, Eric is a triathlete. Eric thinks it's really fun to challenge me and Martin to triathlete type activities. So Eric <laughs> sends me a challenge to be able to swim a, swim a 500 consecutive, no break. Um, FYI, I get one month to do that. And that'll be a 5X uh, gain for me because that's 10 laps in my pool and I can swim two laps without taking a break to catch my breath. So we're going to we're going to work on it. And uh, and then he challenged Martin to a sub seven minute mile 5K. You know, I think uh, you forgot Martin. nine minute. Nine oh, OK. Sub, sub nine. nine minute 5K. All in, right. In my prime, I was running sub seven. But oh, got it. Got it. I'm not in my prime. Martin's not a young buck anymore. And no. joints are old. He's a big man. But uh, so we we have a challenge for Eric and he's going to get after it. He's going to do the Murph. <laughs> so he's going to run a mile. He's going to do 100 pull ups. He's going to do 200, 200 push ups and he's going to do 300 air squats. And then he's going to run another mile. And I think that Eric can probably get it done in less than 45 or 50 minutes. Don't you? Ooh, yeah, he should have no problem with the miles. Yeah, no, he Air should be squats, able to. No, nothing there. Push-ups nope. should be fine. Push-ups should be fine. Pull-ups might be a little tough, but hey, you got to do them one at a time. You got to do them one at a time. <laughs> I'm swimming three days a week oh. for five weeks. Hey, I'm I'm starting to run, but you know what? I'm not going to drop much weight for it because I, I like being a little more. Yeah, you'll be, you'll be fine. But so there's my physical. Um, and one of the questions for today, I'll just I'll, I'll get this one right out there is why does Paul look like he's getting fat and Martin <laughs> over there looking fine as fuck? Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm going to approach that because Must Paul be has video. been on a chase. Paul has been on a chase for a 500 pound deadlift and a 500 pound squat for a few months now. And I've been eating trying to deadlift 500 pounds and squat 500 pounds and <laughs> trying to get more ballast. I, I, well, I mean, you gotta, if you're going to train for that, you have to have the calories and you have to have the protein. And, and I got, I'm, I'm close. Um, I'm still, over, I'm still two eleven. I'm not, I'm not big. Um, he actually said gaining weight, not looking fat, but I changed that. Oh, you did. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I changed that to, to getting fat, but I, uh, I hit 475 on my deads and I hit 450 on my squats. Um, but now, 
switching back for a month or two into more cardio, less carbs, rein it back in a little bit, lean out a little bit because I don't want to get too far away from where I want to be um, physically. So that's where I'm at uh, with my physical. How about you? Physical. Uh, it's been well, it's been good because it's tied to my work. So yeah. I soft retired. So basically retired from the print and media industry for the last 20, gosh, man, 26 years. And now doing something I love to do is basically is in a fitness and, you know, wellness equipment and, you know, on a, on a global scale, which is nice. And, uh, yeah, they encourage you to work out. So I've been getting sometimes, I mean, I do my normal schedule and I think that's one of the questions, but I'll wake up and do my workout. But then lunchtime, because I'm working most of the morning, I'm like, hey, they're encouraging me to work out again, right? I hit that second one. And sometimes I, I work in my garage. I, I set up my laptop. Or if I'm just, you know, I don't watch TV. I, really, I don't have a Netflix, you know, binge habit or anything. So I just literally throw in a third workout sometimes. So, you know, at 50-year-old, I got to take care of this body here. Yep. You got to, you got to the maintenance is more important as yeah. you get higher in the mileage. Yeah. So I'm guessing my third workout probably, you know, to just hit a mile or two at a time now. Yeah. Not too much. Yeah. I don't want to start looking like I need to buy onion skin shorts and then my balls hanging up, but well, I mean, as you get older, they do hang a little <laughs> lower and a little lower. I'm Asian dude. Yeah. I don't even know Asian. what that means. And we're just going to leave it at that. Cause I do not want to have the mental picture on that one. Oh man. Mental. What have you been working on for the mental? Uh, mental, I've been uh, getting in the supply chain, uh, a lot of um, getting back into the concept and also developing that in my mind because I've been in the C-level type of mentality. And now I got to get myself into uh, basically a, a rough time in the period of, well, in the period of the world, actually, with um, you know freight coming from uh, other countries and, you know, even LTL on, on the domestic level. So I saw a graphic this morning and it was um, our country and it was green dots for every shipping um, container that's waiting to get received into our country. And it's a mess. Why is it because the 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 lots are full and nothing is getting transported throughout the country from the shipping yards or is the shipping yards backed up or what? Because I originally heard that a lot of our supply chain issues are from shipping containers not being able to get stuff here because of shipping containers and shipping. Well, now they're they're stopped everywhere and held yeah. for weeks at a time. Why is this? I mean, I part of me thinks that this is on purpose to negatively impact our economy. Oh, um, I, I actually have a dashboard of everything that's coming from uh, the different countries because the company I work for is, you know, based out of Asia and we have uh, manufacturing all over Asia and Europe. So, um, you know, for us, I look at what the cost of containers are coming in and I look at how long, what the duration of the containers are coming over, you know, basically it's called ocean freight. So there's a lot of variables to that. Um, it's not being done on purpose. It's roughly, you're looking at 35 days. So if you're expecting something from a factory in Asia, a uh, factory in Germany, it's got to come over on freight. It's an average right now, 35 days to get here. And if 
your best bet is if you load up a container of all your product. But the problem is, you know, not many companies are loading up, you know, full containers. So we have to put some of our product, use up X amount of real estate in a container. But the thing is, it used to be where containers are about five grand to get over here. Right now, they're about 16, 18 grand to get your product over here. And that's a portion of a container. So between freight costs, between uh, factories that were shut down over in Europe and Asia, which are now starting up or, you know, moving some out of China because China's shutting some down right now, obviously because of their response to, you know, the uh, what climate change, I guess, or their, their pollution contribution. So between all those variables and then getting the um, product over here into the ports, ports are backed up because you're having a problem finding labor can't get those things unloaded so so that's where the port backup comes from is is the labor to get stuff unloaded and yeah. probably also the shipping to get it from the port to wherever it's going yeah so that 30 that 35 days is that to end destination or is that just to get it to the port 35 days is end destination okay so if you minus five days so generally you calculate from the port to its end you know warehouse dc or you know uh stores five days okay and is that still pretty consistent right now? Because I know we're having a lot of hard time getting stuff to us be- just because of lack of trucks and lack of drivers. Oh, uh, it's I mean, it's changing. So I'm just taking uh, I look at the dashboard. I look the last, you know, 30 days. I mean, there's stuff that there's some companies. I mean, you guys might be having, you know, 90 days. It all depends, you know, what percentage of a container that you have. Yeah. So it's yeah, there's a lot of variables to it. And, you know, that's why you have supply chain guys to or gals to you know supply chain people oh people my brother told me today first of all god love my brother and one of the other people that works for my dad because i think they're the only two that are keeping the show survivor still alive because he's a survivor nut and i'm like what what are you doing like yeah neither did i until he told me that they had to have a talk with this new season because the I don't know, the the main guy would always say, all right, come in, guys. And they had to have a conversation whether everyone was was OK with him saying guys. For a wow. group of people that are not just males. Oh, yeah, it's a tough one. You know, we're in a generation where we just go, hey, guys, hey, why don't you guys come on over? And it's, you know, mixed. Yeah, now it's guys is is like people. Hey, people, come on over. Not, hey, mister. Yeah. Hey, misters. Yeah, people just doesn't roll off the tongue. No, it doesn't sound as good as guys. Yeah. Hey, y'all. Should we just, let's just start using y'all. Come on in, y'all. y'all. Yeah, I don't know. That's going to work. Yeah, all right. We'll see. But uh, Mentally. That's, that's mentally. What about yours? Oh, mentally. I've got three partial books here I've been working on. The Miracle Morning, Black Box Thinking, and No Treason. Um... The Miracle Morning is good. It not necessarily applicable to me because I pretty much do everything that's in that book already with my morning. But it's really, yeah. really good for anybody that has a hard time with their day. They're not morning people. They're not necessarily achieving what they want to achieve. This is like step by step little things to get your ass up and get moving in the morning because that first hour of your day sets the tempo for what you're going to get done. So if you if you really win and you own that first hour of your day, it's kind of downhill from there. And so that's the idea there. Black box thinking is is awesome, but it's also um, pretty deep uh, intelligently. Basically, the idea is that um, as a comparison, let's say a 
medical catastrophe happens and someone dies during surgery, there is no post-catastrophe thought process to see what went wrong, how can we fix it, how can we make sure this doesn't happen again, whereas if an airplane goes down, within hours that black box is pulled, the black box is then, you know, um, re-listen to they look at everything that happened and they figure out that oh the landing gear button was right next to the other button so in the you know we're redesigning all the planes and the buttons are getting moved so that you don't accidentally hit the wrong button that was an actual thing that was happening in the in the you know 80s or something like that or multiple times the landing gear not down light would would flash well the problem did was not the landing gear not down the problem was wiring in that so they figured that out and the idea of black box thinking is actually going through and reverse engineering anything catastrophic or any negatives that happen so that you have like applicable steps to improve and so that one's really good and then no treason is just a no treason is interesting. I don't even know how to explain no treason. It is a the mentality of extreme freedom, right? Like the Constitution is there because we all agree on it. The minute that it needs to be enforced is the minute that we don't all agree on it and the minute that it is null and void because it has to be enforced. And it's just this, this idea that you're not treasonous by arguing with your government because you're only treasonous if you if you're being false if you're pretending to agree and then creating um negatives on the back end whereas if you say i do not agree with this i will not follow this i will not pay your taxes i will not you know participate in your vote i will not get your shot. I will not follow your gun laws. You're not, you're not being treasonous. You are a free man with free choices and free decisions. And it's, it's really interesting, but also pretty high thought process. Well, so this week you are going to three different audiobooks. This has been multiple weeks, Hmm. one to the next to the next. And then I start a new one and don't finish the other one. So I need to get these wrapped up because then I have like, four more behind those that are in my list. So, yeah. Wow. So there's my mental, um, my emotional, very much working on my mindset of accepting the things that I need to do because I want the outcome, not necessarily because I want to do them. You know, the, the saving, right? Like we sat down a few weeks ago after the last podcast, we sat down and we were like, all right, we're putting this much money away. That's all going into our 401k for retirement. We still have this much more, this percentage more that we should be saving, but I don't necessarily want to just dump that into my 401k. I would like to have that somewhere where I can invest it how I want, um, whether in five years it's a real estate investment or whatever. So that sucks to say, hey, you know, this much more money, every paycheck is going to come out and go to a separate account. Right. Right. But the mindset of I want the end goal and I'm willing to go through the sacrifice. And that that's really what I've been focusing on this last week is focusing on the goal, not focusing on the negativity of the action that it takes to get to the goal, focusing on so positive swimming, gratification. Y- y- yeah. Focusing on 
focusing on the being able to swim the 500 meters consecutively, not focusing on how much I fucking don't like every lap that I do. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Awesome. So there's my emotional for the week. Yeah, my emotional is, like I said, it's been a good dad week um, when you kind of get in the twilight of your life and your career and, you know, parenthood. Uh, a great dad week is when your your kids remember things. And sometimes it's just the, the smallest of things, you know, where, you know, my oldest remembers a, a football game or his first Badger game that we went to. And, you know, my daughter, uh, one of my daughters remembers going for popcorn in Chicago, you know, Garrett's popcorn standing in line. And, you know, oldest daughter remembers, uh, you know, just going out to get some Trace leches, that three milk drenched cake that is totally horrible for me. You know, all dairy, that all bad, delicious. all sweet. So I haven't done that in years. But, you know, when they bring little stuff up like that, you know, it's just one of those weeks where it's just like, you know, as a dad, you're um, – just yeah, it makes you prouder. Your daughter tells your your ex that hey, you know, I'm I'm putting these carts away in the the parking lot of of department store. And it was Target, and you know, I'm doing that because you know, Dad taught us how to do that when we were younger. And it's just one of those where it's just yeah, you know, makes you it makes, makes you feel pretty damn good, yeah, right? Like successful, like you you did something right, yeah. You you impacted someone's life in a positive way because teenage daughters, yeah. At that time, all of a sudden they're like, "I'm well, right there." Well, I don't remember that. I don't I'm remember in the middle that. of it. And when you're, yeah, when you're in the middle of it, you're like, "Oh man, I invested all that time, and we did all these great things." And now they're like, "I don't remember it." And then all of a sudden, once they hit that 19, 20, 21, all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, remember when we used to do this?" Or I used to enjoy that. Then it's you get out of that dark period of that the dark daughter period. Yeah, and it's just I'm waiting I, for it. I know. I'm you, waiting you got for a little it. ways to go. I though. do have a little ways to go. Yeah, it hurts a little, but man, that little stuff coming back awesome. means a lot. Um, spiritual, uh, really been focusing on my gratitude and my meta and my meditation. Um, grateful for the things that I have and keeping that separate from my drive for success and my drive to achieve more and my drive for more out of life because. I think that's always been the thing that really holds me back from gratification is I feel like being grateful for what I have means that I'm not going to want more. And I don't think that that doesn't need to be the case. So focusing on that and then my, my, my different meta, you know, putting the the positive vibes out to people. And the, the hardest one is always, is always the, someone that you, you know, have clashed with or someone that you dislike, but really allowing them to be who they are and realizing that, most people that wrong you didn't wrong you because they wanted to affect you. They wronged you because it, they thought it was positive for themselves and you just happened to be a byproduct. Well, that's so you got that straightened out. Huh? All right, it's, it's, yeah, that's work, man. That does, there's no, there's no straightening <laughs> that one out. That one's just, that one's like doing a push up. Yeah. You never, you're never just done doing push ups. But you're always moving forward. Always moving forward. No, yeah, spiritually, it's been good. I mean, it ties to the kids. And I think we have one question today. It talks about our schedule. And um, what I do is I have a little board in my in my bedroom that says family on it. And I used to have a picture of just the kids on there. Well, my older kids all have, you know, they're significant others now. So it was one week where I did the old, hey, Walmart quick picture thing, which is insane. I just throw a bunch of pictures at them. 
in less than an hour, I get an email say, hey, they're ready for pickup, right? And, uh, you know, have a little picture with their significant others and posted those up. And, you know, every morning I get up and it's part of my routine. I pray for my kids, my family, my work and stuff. So, you know, that's, uh, no, it's just. I'm not taking that step yet. Multiplied. I'm not taking that step yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Just my kids. Just your kids. And, well, and my I have one that's eight, but my 17 year old, he does oh. her boyfriend doesn't make it in yet. Okay, yeah. My mine are in their twenties. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get you know, that. after a certain amount of time and give it a few months, uh, then also you know, I'll put the picture up. But yeah, between that and uh like I said with work, um, you know, it's it's different getting out of the sea level and you know, now I answer to uh, you know, an exec VP, which, you know, him and I have the same foundation. So uh, spiritually, you know, mentally, and that's, and, and even physically, you know, working for a, you know, a fitness based uh, yeah, company. That's, that's an awesome place to be. Yeah. I mean, that's goal. That's end goal, right. For a lot of people that are sitting down trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives. Like you're, you're at the, you're at the end goal. Yeah. It doesn't mean there's not work, but it's work that you'd like doing. Yeah. And half time I get to go into work just to work out, which yeah. is, you know, an amazing thing. So, but yeah, so it's a good time. But there definitely, you know, is a struggle. Uh, I think we talked about before learning a new. I mean, you're switching gears from going yeah. from sea level to now having the operation side. So it's, but it's something I enjoy. Yeah, work is work. So awesome. Should we should we break into this Q and A? Yeah, we're gonna do a little bit of a different format. We've got a Q and A, and then if we have time at the end, we've got a little shallow dive, which is like some ideas that we've been throwing around that aren't necessarily deep enough for a deep dive, or we haven't developed them enough for a deep dive, but at least we want to get them out there to the ether and, and let people kind of start thinking about them themselves. But we'll go into the questions first. Um, should we as Americans worry about a Taliban retaliation on American soil, given the fact that we assisted in helping a lot of the Afghan refugees that were helping us in that country. What do you think there? I would uh, honestly say as long as this administration is intact, you're not going to see a uh, Taliban retaliation because you saw, I mean, Biden's in technically his second term of office in dealing with the Taliban. So when, um, Obama was in, I mean, what'd they do? They bribed. So they bribed, they paid a lot of money. They shipped a lot of, you know, uh, weapons. If you don't think that's true, you know, do a little more deep dive in the research, but, um, they basically pay off the Taliban for their safety. So, and this is what he's literally doing now. So I know people are concerned because we have a lot of Afghan refugees. Um, but the Taliban even knows it. A lot of them that got brought over by the feds are not the SIBs and are not the, uh, you know, American citizens who are trying to get out. And you're going to see and um, in the next few months, a lot of these are going to be located into relocated in the swing states that literally they don't need any more population, you know, send them to California, but they're not. These are all going into swing states. So you can probably figure out putting two and two together. Why? You know, they're getting free, you know, basically a free lunch for yeah. life. And, um, you know, why do we bring, you know, hundreds of thousands in that way? Yeah. And, and I never thought of it the way that you just said it, but it's, it's I mean, it's, it's extortion, right? Yeah. Like that it's, it's the bully. It's the bully on the corner that goes in and roughs up the shopkeepers and says it would be a shame 
if anyone really damaged your shop and robbed you, what I can do is offer you protection for this amount of money every week. Yeah. And that's basically where the terrorists are at with this administration is we can offer you protection as long as you keep siphoning money our way. Yeah. I mean, we left an embassy. We left a full-blown, I mean, a nice centralized base, Bagram over there, left that country for them with full-blown infrastructure. So this wasn't like Raqqa, you know, when Obama's uh, administration was in, where they basically had to build that, build that up. And then when Trump admin came in, boom, you know, they took care of that and wiped it out. Uh, so now they have full functioning infrastructure, but what do they need? They need cash. Mm-hmm. So they need yeah, cash, that's not, supplies, that's not, a, produ- that's not a production society. Right. So if you, if you guys think of, you know, if you, if you pull away and you, you take the helicopter view of a, of a population, um, you've got a certain chunk of pie that is always recirculating and it's recirculating from shopkeeper to worker in the shop and then they're using it for more shopkeepers and then they're paying their workers in the shop and taking their little bit and then it's going to the supply chain. Well, that that little piece of the pie always stays exactly the same until you make the pie bigger. And to make the pie bigger, you have to export things, you have to create things, you have to offer services to other countries to bring in more influx of cash into your pie. And it sounds like that one of the main ways that they're increasing the piece of the pie currently is with lithium to China, with American weapon systems, uh, everything that America left there, um, selling it to sounds like mostly Iran and then I guess just American cash. Yeah. So we provided the infrastructure and we're basically priming the pump. So, you know, as long as we're doing that, you're not going to see any retaliation, not domestically here. No, you're going to see crime go up, obviously. Well, because and that's, a, a that's an problem. issue, right? Just because of the culture problem. Exactly, and, and we yeah. saw that in, in Sweden, Sweden or Switzerland. Um, we saw that, which it's just a, it's a big culture swap and it's, um, a lot of things that people are not used to, they think is wrong and they take upon their themselves to try to fix. Whereas in our country, it's not a problem. It's not something we're trying to fix. It's something we embrace. And it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a learning curve and, and everybody that's out there that's in those areas, or even, even if you're not in the areas where, where they're moving into, um, have the conversations with your kids. It doesn't mean that these, that, that somebody that got, taken from Afghanistan, comes to Fort McCoy, Wisconsin, gets relocated in your small town, Wisconsin. It does not mean that they're a bad person. It means that they have a very different culture, cultural upbringing, and you should be aware of it. And it's going to take a while and there's going to be some growing pains. And being aware of it is way better than being ignorant to it. Yeah. Teach them how to vote politically, too. Well, that that that's a whole different thing, right? Um, I'm just joking right now. Well, yeah, yeah, kind, no, of kind of half-ass kind of joking, half joking, but like, <laughs> what is the saying? It's it's hard to it's hard to make someone see the truth when their income counts on the lies. Yeah, and income is you know safety and, yeah, and security bribed, for right? your family, right? So yeah, it's hard to make someone see the truth when safety and security for your family 
counts on the on the other way counts on on the lie and yeah lifetime extreme welfare. personal extreme personal responsibility is is dying in our country yeah and these people i mean these people understand suffering these people understand you know work ethic to survive but when you also receive lifetime welfare eventually guess what you know you're going to sit in that lazy boy long enough yeah, and we, lazy, we, so. we've seen it. We've seen it in in so many. We've seen it in the, you know, the Irish that came over and worked in the West Virginia states and figured out how. I mean, if you haven't seen it, watch um, The Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia. It's a Johnny Knoxville half-ass documentary, half-ass film, but it, it covers these West Virginia, you know, coal mining families that figured out how to, I mean, and, and the grandpa figured out exactly how to do it. Gets every one of his grandkids on disability gets, you know, basically the whole family is on disability. The whole family is, is on, because of disability gets all these different prescriptions, cuts up their prescriptions, resells it for cash. And they're living without working on the government dime. And it's has, these are, you figure it out. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, not just in the coal mining. I mean, I know people hear that. And then and that's what I'm saying. I, I use that as an example. Like, yeah. I use that as an example because the minute that somebody like me, a you know, 37-year-old white male brings that up, people instantly think that I'm talking about some other ethnicity. And I'm not. I'm talking right. about everyone living off the government teat. Yeah. The problem is, is like everything, it's not black and white. We don't just get rid of government welfare. Yeah, we have to intelligently implement government welfare. How do we intelligently implement government welfare? Well, when it used to go through a church, there was a church committee that oversaw how the money was helping the community and they were getting people back on their feet. Well, that switched slowly to the government now and the government gets to take a little portion of all of that to then grow their own ranks. And when they see that 0.01% of a million dollars is good, but 0.01% of $10 million is better, then let's grow the welfare state. And this isn't a conscious, we want to make more money, take it from you, give it to these people. This This is an organism. Government is an organism and it's a faulty organism, but it's an organism like anything else. And it is going to slowly evolve to grow and get bigger unless somebody steps up and says, this needs to be on this. We need to get this under check. Yeah. Right. Like it's a cancer, basically. Government is a cancer. Well, cellular production is how our body stays alive. Cellular production out of control is cancer. And we're we're on the verge right now of cellular production was government 50 years ago. Cellular production out of control is what government is now. Right. But to get back to the question, my answer was basically um, we should always be conscious of radicalism anywhere. Radical Islam, radical Catholicism, radical anarchists, radical right, radical left, yeah. radical anything. We should be, be concerned about radical Waco, anything. Texas, anything. Yes. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, it's always be on high alert. Yep. Head in a swivel, so. 
Oh, next one. Um, uh, I just it's it's I challenge you to swim 500 meters consecutive. I just wrote piss <laughs> you know off. That is, right? I just wrote piss off. That's my answer <laughs> yeah. to that one. Um, we covered why is Paul getting fat and Martin looks delicious. Um, this one. All right. Home gym or go to a gym and why? I bought gym equipment and have really had a really hard time getting motivated to work out when I get home from work. Never been one to be unmotivated to work out, but it's been a real struggle lately. I'll let you cover that first because you and I are on different points. And I actually, um, I know this guy fairly well. So I'll give a little prerequisite. He's also transitioned from one season of life to another season of life. Transitioned from, you know, around early 20s, working, partying, living in an apartment to um, steady girlfriend, maybe fiance, maybe wife. I don't know. hundred um, percent dog bought a house. Like it, it's a, it's a big transition yeah. from there to there. So I'll let you talk about working out at home and working out at a gym because you do both. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. I hope it's not just the way my lifestyle is. Um, my lifestyle is I, I enjoy it. I mean, to me, it's a massive stress reliever. Um, it's a great way to start the day. And being at my stage of life where I'm coming around the corner to 50 um, and have had a lot of, you know, problems with my health with back. I mean, health wise, internally, I've been really good. Um, I'm just dealing with, you know, back problems since I was 30. Um, knee problems, uh, you know, I've had uh, scopes, I've had ACL replacement. So that stuff adds up and you start getting arthritis. So I've just maintained a, a lifestyle health and that's been important so what i did but prior to covid was uh, converted one of my uh, garage sides to a, a full gym and have a rack in there uh, weights dumbbells and now i got some cable equipment in there so and i have some cable equipment in my basement and we've talked about it before in other uh, podcasts i have the pull-up bars and almost all my doors so it's just now that I work remote, and I don't know the listener if he works remote or if he's coming back home from nope, work. Coming home from work. Um, what what it is if if I'm working from home, it makes it really easy. I mean, I can knock out a couple hundred push ups, you know, in between, like you know, when people want to get up to go get food. Well, instead of going and getting a snack, I'm knocking out a hundred push ups. I'm knocking out two hundred push ups. Knocking out a hundred pull ups. Um, sometimes I'll put my laptop in my gym, my uh, garage gym and I'll be working and I'll be, you know, knocking out sets in between. Um, but I find that the gym going to a gym is really important to me and I mix that up. So I'm probably 60, 40, sometimes some weeks it's 70, 30 because it, it gets you out of the distraction. And if you're coming home from work and you're tired, a lot of times you got to get in that atmosphere, you know, what, where there's other people working out. And you've got nothing to do there, but you have to work out because it's all equipment. So, you know, if you're not working remote and you, your lifestyle, you're not driven to do it naturally and you feel tired, I would suggest, you know what, go to a gym. But if you really want to get, you know, those two a days, if you're just really dialed in and like, hey, for me, I mean, you know, I like doing a lot of my power lifts at home because guess what? I don't need to have my shoes and socks on. And I like squatting barefoot and I like deadlifting, you know, barefoot because there's just, I feel like I'm grabbing the ground. I deadlift barefoot at the gym. So you do? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Never had anybody say a word. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyways, I haven't tried that. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'll try that next. Yeah. But, um, and but, I knew, I knew that was your, that was your 
space because I, I know you well enough that I, I know where your mindset is with that one. Um, what I will say from a diagnostic standpoint is you live here and work here. Most oh, we're, we're in Martin's house. That's where we record in Martin's office. Sorry. Um, a lot of times by yourself, sometimes with, with one or two of the kids here, but it's not necessarily how it is for someone that lives at home, married, kids always there. I have a problem working out at home. I sold all my shit because I couldn't do it because my house, there was this I could do, this I could do. I could hang out with my eight-year-old. I could hang out with my wife. I could go do this. My house was for all these different things. Yeah. And so getting in the habit of working out at home was a challenge for me. So because it was a challenge for me, I sold everything. Well, then COVID happened. The gyms closed down. Well, thank God I knew you because I had your gym to come to. And it was the same. It was the same as going to a gym. I could come here. I could work out. Oh, yeah. It was a separation of church and state is how I always tell people. It's my, it's my separation. I leave my house. I am going to a place where I have one goal. It is to get a workout in. With that said, if you do want to work out at home, you're going to need to hack your habit loop. And everybody's going to be different on this one. But by hacking your habit loop, go back and listen to the habit podcast and then hack your habit loop. It needs to be a specific time. It needs to be a specific buildup, whether it's a pre-workout or a, you know, a meal or whether whatever it is, you, you need to have your cue. You know, it's going to be your gym shoes that you put on before you leave work. So they're on when you get home. So when you look down to take your shoes off, and you walk in your house, you're like, all right, it's fucking time to work out. Right. And right. it's going to be building the habit. It would help if. Um, your girlfriend or wife wanted to work out with you and you guys could get in the, the same habit so that you're not like coming in and she's like, oh, honey, hey, you want to take care of this or hey, dinner's ready or whatever she's doing. If you guys oh, were on yeah. the same habit, that would help a lot. Um, but for me, it's it's the gym. I worked out at home maybe three times during COVID. Otherwise, I would go somewhere and go for a run or I would go somewhere and go for a long ass bike ride, or I would go to your house and I would work out. Like it was, I needed to be somewhere where it was specifically, that was my only goal. Which might be your personality or habit trip yep. because you're talking about even with finances, right? Yep. You have to have the out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, yeah, I need to engineer, I need to engineer stuff to be the way that it's gonna be because if I have to, if I have to do it right when I think about it, it's not always gonna get done. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my mentality is always, you know, hey, I did a uh, hundred pull-ups yesterday, right? And the next day, I'm like, what's stopping me from doing, you know, hundred? And I end up doing, you know, forty chin-ups, forty pull-ups, forty close grip uh, pull-ups, and then forty, you know, wide grip pull-ups. I end up doing one hundred and sixty. But yeah. that's my mind's always like driven to do that. Yep. And it's it's easy to do at home, but yeah, if you don't have that. So knowing knowing yourself, knowing your knowing your mindset and hacking your habit loop. And I think that it would be just as easy once you built, you know, once you you made it two or three months yeah. and built that habit of working out at home, I think it would be the same as working out at a gym. Yeah. But habits change, and especially I I brought up the 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 different season in, in his life because as you transition from one season to another season in your life, a lot of your habits 
then change. And it's really easy to lose a good habit of working out without building it back up again at a different place or at a different time or with a different group of people. Um, But also like you guys that are out there that are listening to this, a transition in life is the best time to get rid of bad habits and to build new good habits that you don't have because everything is changing. If you change a new job, you move to a new apartment, you know, you got separated from a spouse, you, whatever, whatever the, the life transition is, these are, and this is scientifically proven. These are yeah. the best times to get rid of bad habits and to build new good habits. Yeah. But they're also just as easily the worst times where you can gain bad habits really easily, or you can lose good habits really easily. It's going to be what you decide, how you decide to move forward. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, oh, <laughs> saying Asians are good at things is racist, Martin. There's a TED talk Who on it. That? There's a TED talk on it. <laughs> there is. Yes. Who said I that? Put the link. You can watch it and we can take this on another day. I was going to watch the video right before I came here so I could remember what the explanation was. <laughs> but. Saying that Asians are good at things is racist against oh, Asians. Oh my goodness. It's racist against Asians? Yes. Damn. Because statistically, Asia is big and some Asians are good at some things and other Asians are good at <laughs> other things and they're not necessarily better than anybody else. I don't I yeah, think yeah, I remember that. I think I remember that from we, the video. We established the norm, no way, because we're 70% of the population of this world. So we established the norm. That's bullshit. 70% is a majority, right? 51 is a majority. 70% is a majority, but who looks at the world as a majority? Everybody's every country is so different and so it's separated. A, it's, it's a norm. And so separate. You it's fine. <laughs> if you want to take on computer programming, uh, take on computer programming. That's cool. I, know. I, I can do that too. I, I know, know you why. can. I know you can. I'm good at math. All right. Um, thoughts on this. Our daughter came home from school the other day and said they are being taught there are no bad people, just bad choices. I see the logic, but also there are some really bad people who want to see the world burn. How can you decipher the difference? I don't think it's one or the other as far as bad people or bad choices. I think it's definitely both. Uh, look at the administration. Look at Congress. So here's my explanation on that one. I know what the teachers are doing here because I've read this science. The teachers are trying to separate the individual child from the individual bad choice because scientifically it's been proven if you can separate your bad decisions from you as a person and and you are not the decisions you make, you are you that made a bad decision it's then much easier to stay positive and stay on a positive trend and to not let bad decisions, because we all make bad decisions. You and I have talked about it a ton of times. We yeah. all make, we all fuck up, like legitimately. Um, it's a lot easier to then grow and become a better person if you're not, t- if you're not wrapping up who you are in your faults of the past. With that said, this is a very high-minded thought process without context to explain to elementary school kids. If there is context here, which there's no way to really know unless I guess you figured out what teacher did it and ask them how they did it. Yeah. But the, the, the possibility here of, of trying to talk to kids about this, but then lacking the context of you individually are not your bad choices, you also take the risk of 
than giving kids a way to then, how did I word it? To justify other people's negative behavior, right? Yeah. So this kind of falls in line with with my with my mental idea that I've not still not worked all the way through yet of the myth of pure evil, right? Like our administration currently, like you said, I don't think that they are doing the things to be negative. I think that they really think that that's the way that we move the world forward. I think that they are do they're everything they're doing is is fucked up faulty logic. But I don't think that they're looking at intelligent logic and then going, no, we're fucking all this up. We're going to do all this stuff that's completely negative to ruin America and crash the economy and kill a bunch of people. Like I don't they're doing it as a what they think is positive. It's just what they think is positive is wrong. Hmm. Like, here's how I look at it is when you're talking about uh, good and evil. So the question is, our daughter came over from school the other day and said they're being taught there are no bad people, just bad choices. I would probably disagree with that teacher because it goes back to the, uh, you know, the spiritual pillar is everybody has an, is born with inherent good or evil. And, you know, it's there's there's no value. There's no, nothing in those bank accounts until you start filling it, right? So in the spiritual world, there's angel's food cake or devil's food cake, right? If you keep feeding a child poor choices, um, uh, feeding them bad media, let's say like, you know, by bad media, I mean like bad, you know, TV shows and things that are immoral. They guess what? You're that person is going to start feeding, feeding their, their evil that's within them. So let me use a administration. Let me use a politician as an example. You know, this idiot from California, Gavin Newsom, right? The guy actually looks like he could be like, you know, from a movie like Satan psychopath. or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, psychopath. He is the, yeah. the, char- the character from Psychopath. I don't psychopath. think he was born this kid that, you know, popped out of the womb and, you know, in this suit with devil horns and everything. But this is a guy that, it, it goes back to that old song, Megadeth, you know, um, uh, Symphony of Destruction, where basically he gets in, a, in an area of politics and he starts seeing that, oh, I can get... I can benefit myself this way, benefit myself that way. You can say that about a lot of politicians. And the more they keep feeding themselves with, you know, you know, greed, the seven deadly sins, right? Uh, gluttony, you name it. Um, you start feeding that evil. They, they inherently become a, quote, bad person because that's what they're feeding. And when you're talking about politicians that make these these poor decisions or, you know, that you're like, why are they doing this to screw up the economy or whatnot? Uh, a lot of times they're not even looking at the big picture when they're making decisions. They're so like uh, Maxine Waters is a prime example. And she's also in California is somebody that, you know what, I'm doing all this to benefit myself, my estate, my family. And, you know, basically it's a mental F you to everyone else. But it is a, it is a, it is a mental ignorance towards the negative it's not it's not well they don't doing care. it's not doing the negative on purpose it's not maxine waters making these decisions and gavin newsom making the decisions because they're like i want to see i want to force a bunch of kids to get a shot because a certain percentage of them will have negative impacts i want to see the negative impacts that's not what they're that's not no, what they're, they're doing is like i can benefit i'm going to make this decision because 
I can benefit from it. And or, I can explain to myself why it's positive. Right. We're, we're being ignorant to the negatives. I'm benefiting from yes. it. Yes. And that's, exactly. that's the myth of pure evil. They're not doing it to be evil. The outcome may look evil because of the ignorance to the negatives, but they're not doing it specifically to be evil, which is the myth of pure evil. Yeah. You know, the pure evil is somebody, you know, people do shit just to be evil. And while I think that there are some psychopaths yeah. that do that, that is a that is a very, you know, tiny, 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 tiny number that have mental illness. Yeah. But so if you keep feeding yourself devil's food cake. That's all you're going to want to eat. Yeah. But the, I mean, the, the, the famous you know, I don't even remember which Stoic said it, but the, it might not even been one of the Stoics, but the line of good and evil runs through the middle of all of us. Yeah. Right. Like that we've all made some yeah. really shitty choices and it wasn't, and we didn't do it to hurt other people. We did it because we, we were either completely ignorant to the negatives or the positives outweighed the negatives at that moment in our minds. Yeah. So um, what does each of your daily routine look like? You want to run through that one first? Or do you want me to go first? You can go first. All right. My daily you if you wanted to kill me, it'd be so <laughs> fucking simple because my daily routine is is basically dead on every fucking day. It's almost exactly the same. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Like I if 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 an executive protection agent came in and looked at my day, they'd be like, <laughs> You are way too fucking predictable. Um, all right, alarm goes off at four. On weekdays, five on weekends, everything is almost exactly the same, just gets pushed back an hour on weekends because the gym opens an hour later. I get up, take my vitamins, take my pre-workout. I use the restroom. I do my red light therapy. I do four minutes front upper body, four minutes back, four minutes lower body, four minutes lower back body. By that time, I'm remote starting my truck and I'm probably getting ready to head to the gym. Gym is two hours, so five to seven or six to eight. Um, Pretty much the same routine at the gym every week other than my swimming has really changed up my, my gym schedule. Come home, eat, get ready for work go to work on the weekdays. Weekends are a little different. Um, I then work sometime, some from 7.30-ish to 8-ish. I work everywhere, so I don't necessarily go to an office. So it's when I leave my house, I'm starting work. Yeah. I eat at 9.30. I eat at 10.30. I eat at 12.30. And I eat at 2.30. Um, I do my meditation. I have a reminder that goes off at 10 and 2. Usually I do my meditation at 10. The two o'clock doesn't always get done because I'm getting a little bit busier by then and don't have no bullshit. That's me making an excuse. Don't make the time. <laughs> um, I usually work till somewhere between four and six. Come home, eat dinner, hang with the fam, do whatever I need to do for my work for the day, whatever I want to read before bed. Put the kids to bed at eight to eight thirty. Well, the kid. Um, since the 17 year old kind of does her own thing, um, and go to bed between eight 30 and nine every day. Wow. Pretty fucking consistent that, uh, yeah, pretty memorized. It, it's the same shit, man. <laughs> like groundhog's day. It is like groundhog's day, but that's how I get a lot of shit done is I'm consistent. I don't need to think about it. Wow. I mean, I have a basic structure of the day. So my, my wake up is a two hour window. And that is dependent on what the schedule is for the week. So usually I have a schedule set up for the week. So now I'm going to have, I'm adding back travel again. So it all depends. Yep. 
So between 4.15, 6.15, that is probably my wake up window. Um, if I have early meetings, boom, then I hit the 4.15. Get up. Um, I'll take my supplements, uh, my lemon, Iconisha ginger juice, and then I work out on a, you know, basically no protein in my, in yep. my gut. So I'm fasting. Generally, I fast, yeah, 12 hours, 12 to 14 hours max uh, per day. Um, yeah, I'll either go in the gym. If I have my son, he's still sleeping, obviously, then I'll work out at home and then uh, get him to school when I have him. And if I don't have him, then usually I start work right away. So, you know, whether I start work at 6.30, 7.30, it all depends. It all depends on my workload. So my days are really fluid. And if I'm not traveling or uh, now that I work remotely most of the time, which is awesome, I'll either go into work either for a meeting or I'll work out at work during lunch and then I'll uh, come home or I'll just work out at home if the weather's, you know, halfway decent. Open up the, you know, garage doors and slam in a good workout again and go back to work. And then uh, uh, some days I have, when I have my son, he gets off the bus here literally every day. So I'm usually around for that. If I'm not, then I got to get a hold of my ex and, you know, get that arranged. Um, otherwise, I'm working all afternoon till five or six. And if my son's at the park, I do the thing where, okay, you know, here, you can go for 30 or 40 minutes. Make sure you come home at this time so that we can eat dinner. Then I'll be like, hmm, I got 30 minutes. I'll go to the gym in the garage and slam. I don't know. I'll be like, hey, I got time for seven sets of deadlifts. I got time for to do push presses because, you know, I need to get shoulders this week, you know, twice as much. So, yeah, make dinner or, you know, we go out to eat. A lot of times we go to the Asian market. That's probably the only predictable thing per week because I'm Asian and the only way to get good food is Go to the Asian market. It's an international market, Martin, not an Asian market. Oh, if you walk in there, it's pretty much all Asians. <laughs> Fair <laughs> except, enough. Except there's a Arod's text tubs. So there's all these Asian places, and there's a you know Mexican dude selling. Fair enough. Selling good tacos there, and then uh yeah, then I try to like I said my bedtime is anywhere from nine thirty to sometimes it's past midnight. It all depends, and that's probably one of my downfalls is I have the office at home. And I'll work. So I'll put my son to bed and then I'll do some work or, you know, I'll clean, get laundry done and all that stuff in between. So, or, you know, yes, seven, seven o'clock, all of my digital um, work stuff is off. Like email, if you send me an email, not you, you know, personal, yeah. personal email comes through, but if all my work email, everything is off at seven. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah. And it's tough. I'm right now I'm dealing internationally. Yeah. And that's, so that I, would I be totally different. I'm two not. In the morning. Yeah. So, so that's kind of how my day looks, you know, weekends are really fluid. So I'm not, yeah. If, if, if you're going to send a PI over to try to, you know, figure out what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yours is a little bit tougher Mine's, than me. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Um, I, we, I guess we really, we're only going to get through one more question. We're not even going to get to any of the shallow dive stuff, but the last question would be, a recent survey of kids age 8 to 11 asked if I could add one subject to school, what would it be? The number one answer was how to be a YouTube star. And I'm doing the hit my head in the face f face right now. The, the meme of just banging my palm on my face. Um, how do we get our children back to realistic dreams and aspirations? Or is this the new world we live in? Hard work works when nothing else works. I feel like these are frivolous dreams. We need more kids to dream of being garbage men, dump truck drivers, and farmers. Um, I think that the K 
kids dreaming of being garbage men's just that's out the window. Dump truck drivers, maybe, but most of those jobs are because that's what people know. And that's fine. It's just, you can't have, if you have an entire, this sounds so shitty, but if you have an entire population of 330 million people that all want to be, you know, um, top 10 performers in CEOs and, you know, a plus rated whatever, it's just not going to work. You have, you have to have the people that are completely cool with being garbage men and completely cool with being janitors. And the thing is, is it doesn't mean that they don't look at their job and take it seriously and perform it as if they were doing, you know, surgery, but it means that they're probably not, that's probably not fulfilling their bucket. Their bucket is getting fulfilled in other places. All of this is doing is, is providing a living for, whatever their other aspirations are in life. And that's cool. That's totally okay. Um, but I think if you're going to add one subject to school, I think it would be the class would literally be called reality because when my kids went through school, they had a more of an advanced home ec than I've ever seen. So they learned how to cook. They learned how to do, you know, things around the house, even like laundry. So it was a weird type of so home ec. Really interesting. Right. Because like, that's a fucking parent's job. Yeah. That's really weird because I get what you're saying. Yep. But also that's not a fucking school's job, but it right. has to be because there's so many detached parents that aren't doing that, that we're hanging the kids out to dry. Right. And I think that what reality, this reality class would have to teach them is like, you know, Hey, when you get out of school and what you see your parents do, this is life is you have to have a paycheck, you know, you have to earn a living and you have to make a decision, not based on what you want to do, you know, fancy wise, but you can set a goal and guess what? You're not going to get out of school and somebody's going to hire you as a CEO of their company. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to take steps and being a garbage man is okay. Being a janitor is okay, but you know, set some, you know, goals, have some aspirations and then work your way there. I think as, as far as my approach to the question, one of the biggest things is to sit down and have a conversation with your kid. Even if your kid is, even if you have no idea if your kid thinks like this, they probably do. If they watch YouTube, they've probably thought of this. And the one thing that I really try to point out to my kids is, do you know who the most influential influencers are on things like YouTube are people that have done things. They are doing things, whether it is they are really intelligent and they're speaking intelligently on many different topics, whether they are great dancers, whether they are super funny comedians and they not comedians necessarily like stand-up comics, but there's, there's online comedy, right? And these, all of these people are great at something and then they become influential because they are great at something. Even if their something is talking shit, they're really good at talking shit. <laughs> you don't just get to become famous Trick online. Shots. You don't just get to become famous online just for being you. You need yeah. to fucking, ha you need to have something, have a thing, whatever your thing is. Maybe it's baking cakes. Maybe it's hanging upside down and basket weaving. Whatever it is, you have to have a thing and you need to chase that thing with all of your fucking energy. Because if you want to become famous, and have people look at you the way that they do a fucking 10 million view YouTube account, you need to, they need to have a reason to watch you. You need right. to be exceptional at something. Yeah. And I think every kid wants to be a YouTube star because they think, oh, it's going to be fun and it's going to be easy doing something that's just fun. 
And, you know, my son and I watch, you know, at first bedtime, we like watching the episodes of Dude Perfect and uh, Team Edge. And these guys, they started out, Dude Perfect started out as just making trick shots when they were in college. And now they've expanded. But the thing is, when they expanded, they've gotten staff, they've gotten facility, and they have to push content. So it's work because they have to keep pushing content. Yeah. Because if you don't, you start You become losing. irrelevant. Exactly. And if you're irrelevant... There's no money coming in. Exactly. So they're making a living, but they're working. Mm-hmm. And they had become really good at what they started doing and developed that. So, you know, if they want to have that class, maybe that they need to show that, hey, guess what? There's there's work involved. You need that. to do something. Yeah. You need to be doing something. Um, I don't want to skip over this last question. Is it worth it to try to convince people who disagree with the truth or put their trust in media and government information or just let it be um and that kind of follows in with the arguments of with the left or family members or disagreements over you know specific things and in my opinion the minute that you make something an argument is the minute that anyone's positive thought process or ability to stay open shuts down if you can keep it a conversation and inquire as to what they'd think you know what so let's let's just get right fucking into it masks right you want to if you want to get in if you want to get in if you want to get into an argument with somebody over a mask get into an argument over a mask but you know what you're never going to do you're never going to convince the person across the table that it's okay for you to not wear a mask if you if you make it an argument but if you talk to that person across the table from you and you keep it a really open conversation and you say I really I I don't want you to feel like your health is is challenged or I'm fucking having a hard trouble with words now. We've been talking for too long. Um, Whether I'm negative, I don't want you to think that I'm negatively impacting your health by sitting over here without a mask on. What would make you think that? And they say, well, everything that's coming out of your mouth is coming right at me. And then you can have the conversation that. The average micron size of a cloth mask is five microns. And the average size of a COVID molecule is one one thousandth that size. So really, by you thinking that, I understand where you're coming from. And I understand that you that you feel like I'm impacting your health. But realistically, me having a mask on is like a little gnat flying through a chain link fence. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they go, oh, well, but what about like spit coming out of your mouth? And you can say, that's a really good point. But you know what? Spit coming out of my mouth is really heavy. And the minute that it gets into the air, if you if you try to spit, it's going to it's going to arc and it's heavy and it's going to go down. Whereas if I'm pissing it through a mask, I'm basically aerosolizing the molecules and it may hang in the air actually longer than it would be and if you can smell a fart you can get covid yeah and so like that that right there is a conversation that you can have but the minute that you make it an argument is the minute that that conversation is done you might as well just yell at the wall yeah and also listen to their point of view ask them and then and then really really listen but i'm going to add to that though is that there's some people that you're not going to be able to get into a conversation with because they're going to get emotional just because a subject's brought up. 
whether it's a mask or vaccine or whatever, you're never going to be able to get in a conversation because they're not going to allow that capacity to even have a discussion. But if they're that type of person, then it is going to take some critical conversation skills. But I think you can. I think that it's going to take a lot more listening than it is talking. I think so, yeah. And it's going to take a lot more question asking to get to the bottom of where their faulty logic is, not you pointing, this is your faulty logic. Yeah. You're going to have to pose questions that then get them to think about their faulty yeah. logic. But do not bombard them with, you know, texts and posts, basically giving them book reports for them to look at your side. Yeah. Because it's just going to basically fuel the fire. Yep. It's going to cause them to resist even more. Yep. So. Yeah, it's, it's a tough question. It's not a debate. It's a conversation. And that's what yeah. everything has to be. And that's, you know, we're at we're at an hour three or an hour five. So I'm not even we won't even get into the, the shallow dives. But one of the things I have on here is the yin and the yang and the mother and the father and the right and the left. And that's we've lost so much of that today. Um, single parent households make damaged kids no matter what. Doesn't matter if it's a father or a mother. Single parent households statistically make more damaged humans. You want to fucking argue with it? Argue with it. But the the statistics are there. The science has been shown. That's going to be the same with a country, whether it's 100% right or 100% left. You're going to fuck a lot of shit up. You need both. Yeah. You need the balance. You need the dance. And the minute that we demonize the other side, you know, the minute that the yin starts to look at the yang and say it's your fault. Yeah. Is the minute that we have a problem. Yeah. We're all human beings and we all want the same fucking thing. We want a good life. We want safety for our kids. We want to be able to 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 rest in peace when we die knowing that the world is better for our kids than it was when we were born, right? Yeah. We just disagree about how to get there. So let's have the conversation about how we get there, not keep pointing fingers and arguing and bitching. Yeah. No, and I agree with that. I mean, it's, it's a balance. People have to understand it's a balance, but we're, the scales are messed up right now. We t- we take a, we take a swing one way drastically yeah. and then we take a swing the other way drastically. Yeah. And all that does is create a bunch of drastic hostile bullshit. Yeah. I mean, it's not left to right thinking anymore. It's Read, far left and far yeah. right right now. It, it, you guys, we t- I've talked about it multiple times, but the Jack Carr books, the president Christensen in the, in the Jack Carr novels is, is amazing. And Jack Carr did an amazing thing with, with building that character around a central, basically a, a centrally thinking Democrat. He is. I'd stay at the, stay out of, you know, stay out of our business the government, you need a government, but it also doesn't need to control the population. Like, right. It's, it's yeah. the center and it doesn't matter if it's a center Republican or a center Democrat or a center, center just, libertarian doesn't count. Yeah. Center the libertarian doesn't count. The problem with independence, I mean, not to get too fucking deep is the center within <laughs> the problem with independence is, is are you wasting your vote? I know. But if everybody thinks that way, but you have to, then th- nobody gets start. There. I get it. I get it. I get it. I just, I yeah. have not come to an, a, a positive point in my mind about that vote yet. Right. But we all have well, to do it. I'm Everybody an, has I'm to do an it. I'm independent, but every time there's a, you know, I have to cast a vote, I need to start my research in the center. Yes. And then determines whether I move left yeah. or right when yeah. I vote. So, so yeah, I got to take the emotion out of it and then start that, you know, 
that needle right in the middle. And we're going to do a we're going to do a deep dive on politics one of these days. It's just going to take a lot more developing so that we actually have some positive actionable points. But one last thing before we wrap up on a positive actionable point is you might not like who is your representative for House or for Congress. But if you don't make your voice heard, if you don't call them, if you don't email them, if you don't stop in their office, if they have no idea what you're saying, then you might as well just bitch on the Internet some more. Yeah. Even if you don't like them, you got to tell them what you think because they need to know what their constituents think. And if if there's a million people in your state or 100,000 people in your city and only 5,000 of them are vocal, you better fucking you want it to be your side. Yeah. So. All right, that is a wrap, a long-ass wrap, but it's a wrap. (laughs) Have a good week.